0: West Virginia's loss in the wake of Bob Huggins' resignation might just be North Carolina's gain. You
1: are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey there, it's Wednesday, June 28th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. Not joining me today is Pat Kilby. We had planned to record together as usual. He had some things come up with his coaching uh, schedule, so we're actually going to be on tomorrow's show together. So sorry about that for all of you who are hoping to see his beautiful face and hear his beautiful voice, but that will be tomorrow. I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch of the day. Coming up on the show today, we're going to have some conversation later about a couple of Carolina football commits, including Zion Ferguson, who the Tar Heels flipped from LSU. Great news there. But before we get to all that, I want to talk about uh, some of this West Virginia business because I think North Carolina has a golden opportunity ahead of them. Now, obviously, this is an unfortunate story. One of the greatest and winningest basketball coaches of all time um, has resigned after several missteps in his personal life. And, and I'm not here to litigate that right now. Um, but the funny thing is, right after Bob Huggins resigned, I thought about doing a show looking at who might Carolina target that might transfer out from West Virginia. And I thought, yeah. I don't think it'd be a worthwhile show to do. I'm, I'm not going to bother with that. But now, here we are. Why is that? Well, as things have unfolded, West Virginia has named an interim coach. They've retained at least one of their transfers in. That's Kirk Creasa coming from Arizona, interestingly enough. But they've lost a, one of their starters in Trey Mitchell. And earlier in the week, we also found out that they were losing to the transfer portal Mohammed Wagi. And that's W-A-G-U-E is his last name. Um, Now, here's the deal. A lot of this offseason, you know this, we've spent time speculating about various players that Carolina might go after or might target, might reach out to. And uh, I've mentioned that a lot of that has kind of been, you know, held close to the vest. We don't hear about a lot of it. But on Um, Tuesday per a tweet from two, four, seven HS hoops, high school hoops. We learned that Carolina is one of the teams that has reached out to Wagee. And I mean, it's a whole host of teams as you'd expect when, when players enter the transfer portal late like this. I mean, in addition to Carolina, I'm not going to name off every, but some of the other high end high major schools are Alabama, Kansas state, Oregon, and more. Um, In fact, on Tuesday, John Rothstein, great college basketball guy, um, let us know on Twitter that he is visiting DePaul or visited on Tuesday and will visit K-State as well. That's what I have as of this recording. Um, From the point of this recording until you're listening to or watching the show, that that news might uh, evolve and adapt and we might learn more, but that's where we're at right now. Now, uh, for Waggy himself, he said, quote, returning to West Virginia is 100% something I will consider, but I feel like it's in my best interest to explore what is out there for me. And that's what I think the wisest thing is for these West Virginia guys, um, is you don't know if you want to stay and play for the new coach who's an assistant that's been elevated, um, but I, you, you want to maintain the option to return if it's possible. But you also want to explore what else is out there in case there is something better. Now, why am I talking about Wagee today? Because I believe that he is the exact type of candidate that Carolina needs to go after to fill out the roster. You know, earlier in the week, we talked about Javon Quinterly. I, 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 and I think a lot of you from reading our comments, don't think that Carolina should target any more guards. But the, the prime player that the Tar Heels still need, in my opinion, is a true backup front court player, a true center, specifically to back up Armando Baycott in a way that Jalen Washington can't do, like a bigger bodied, thicker kind of guy and um, someone that wouldn't mind coming off the bench. Right, Like it, somebody that wants to be a starter or that needs to be a starter is not going to come in and have that opportunity unless it's just some elite person that enters between now and the season starting. But that's exactly what Wagyi is. If you remember our episode a couple weeks ago with Mac Etienne, who's a UCLA transfer, exact same type of thing we're talking about here. Either of those guys I think would be uh, perfect to fulfill this role. So some, some of what I like about the potentiality of adding Wagyi. Backup insurance behind Armando Baycott if he's hurt in foul trouble, needs a breather, and Carolina's you know going up against somebody with another big-bodied center that would essentially throw around Jalen Washington because, secondly, that's what he has. He's a big-body dude, 6'10", 225, gives up some weight to some of those bigger guys, but that's enough. Um, again, he's okay coming off the bench. Also kind of neat, he has multiple years of eligibility left and so could still be around even after Baycott left. If he progresses, you know, maybe he gets a lot of playing time. If not, at least he is a, you know, bit player uh, depth off the bench. And when you look at his role at West Virginia last year, I, I laugh because as, as I have gone back and watched some highlights, gone back and looked at stats and game tape and deeper numbers, what what his role was for West Virginia last year, is almost exactly like completely specifically what Carolina would probably ask of him this season. He played 10.6 minutes per game, scored 4.1 points per game, had 3.1 rebounds per game, and not much to speak of in terms of per game numbers with assists, steals, blocks, etc. But all of that is on the surface because keep in mind, that's those averages at just 10.6 minutes per game played. So while those per game numbers might not look like a ton, I I think it is actually really good production in that time. Let me contextually put it together with some percentages for us. For example, I said he averaged 3.1 rebounds per game in those 10.6 minutes. His offensive rebounding percentage was 19.6%. To put that in context with other players around the country, if, if his numbers and minutes were enough to qualify, 19.6 would have had him second in all of Division I behind only Zach Eady and ahead of Oscar Shiboy in offensive rebounding percentage. You feel what I'm talking about? Like, this could be a massive win for the Tar Heels if they could go get him. Or another one, block percentage. On a per-game basis, he averaged just half a block a game. 0.5 did Wagi. But here's the thing. Let's look at that percentage again. His block percentage was 5.7%. Let's contextualize that. That would have put him fifth in the ACC last year. And you know as well as I do that the heels need rim protection and need it bad. For reference, again, 5.7% block rate. Last year, Armando Baycott's block percentage was 3.3%. Pete Nance's was 3.7%. Jalen Washington's 0.9%. The Heels need rim protection, and I believe that wagi could bring that, and his like deeper numbers suggest that, that he would have been competitive you know, w- with more minutes right there at, at the upper tier of the ACC in terms of block percentage, right there at the leaders nationally in offensive rebounding percentage. So, man, I, I look at this, and I love it. Now, a couple things that, that aren't like, oh, he's elite, are he's not great at the free throw line. Just 53.3% last year on 45 attempts. He's not a three-point attempt. Literally zero attempts last year, but obviously Carolina is still okay with that. That's not been Armando Baycott's game either. It will be Jalen Washington's, uh, more so at least than Baycott and Wagee would be. But here's another thing I love about Wagi, While he's not going to step out, he is insanely efficient with his field goal percentage. You ready? For this last season, he shot 74.2% from the field. He took 62 shots and made 46 of them. There's a lot of dunks in there if you go watch the film, but 87% of those shots were at the rim. So my man carves out space, gets buckets at the rim, and converts them at an insanely efficient level. This is a guy I would love. I would love Carolina to go after to be a piece coming off the bench to provide depth. And again, with with some more growth, could slot into an even bigger role for the Tar Heels in the future. So Muhammad Wagi in the transfer portal from West Virginia, someone I legit, a lot of these where we're looking at different players, I'm like, nah, I don't think so. This is a dude that makes a ton, a ton of sense to me. I would imagine he does to you as well. Let me know your thoughts on Wagi. Well, folks, LSU might have just won the College World Series, but they lost a recruiting battle to the Tar Heels on the gridiron. Mac Brown and company were able to flip an LSU cornerback into their favor in the class of 24. We'll talk about that in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on that action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. For example, Man, my Braves are killing it right now. You might want to go look at the futures on taking them as the World Series champs. Don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
1: available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On
0: Podcast Network, your team every day. It's great to be joined on Locked On Tar Heels today by Locked On's Director of Football Insider Recruiting, Mr. Brian Smith. Brian, great to have you on, and it comes at a great time because Carolina as uh, is something that doesn't often happen, has been able to flip an SEC player, and that is Mr. Zion Ferguson from LSU. So the Tigers might have won the College World Series on uh, Monday night, but they did not win this battle. So, Brian, what is it that you like about what Zion Ferguson is able to do in the secondary?
1: I like his ability to flip his hips and run. I know that's as basic as it gets, but the film didn't lie. Uh, I only watched about a minute, minute and a half. And with a corner, that's about all you really need. It's not like you're watching an interior offensive lineman. Needs to add weight. Definitely needs to put some pounds on. So peanut butter is his friend. But at the same time, the technique will come. You can't teach the speed. You can't change the ability to flip the hips. They got a prospect that LSU wanted to. LSU's occasionally had good defensive backs. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I've heard that. Um, it's a good sign. It, and by the way, not that it's totally shocking, but North Carolina has always had like downs being one really recently. They've always done well in Georgia, getting a few kids. There's no reason that they shouldn't get even more, to be really honest. It's not that hard to sell Carolina, the campus, the academics and all that. So good job by Matt Brown and staff. I mean, if you're going to elevate the program, you eventually got to beat SEC schools for recruits. There is no shortcut here. It is not a friendly or fun battle. Trust me. I I hear lots of things from coaches behind the scenes. They are not friendly, but that's just the way it is. And they won this one. It's a big pickup for the Tar Heels.
0: Yeah. I mean, and in in large part, because Ferguson is immediately Carolina's highest rated recruit in the 24 class. And I know, Ratings are ratings, whatever you got to go do it on the field. But I think it does speak to how important this flip is. And and I know Carolina is still trying to get more top end talent in, but what what does it do for your program when you're able to bring in someone? It's like, all right, we we got who right now is our top guy. We got to keep going, but you got to feel good about that, right?
1: How could you not? I mean, anytime you flip an LSU kid, if you're not excited, you're in the wrong profession. Carolina might need to find you know, that, that, that list in the drawer for the next coach. So, yeah, it's a good way to get the week rolling. We're, we're getting to the end of June. I might as well get this out of the way across the board. Carolina or otherwise, all these visits that happened, the 2nd, the 9th, the 16th, the 23rd, okay, now for every kid, they got to pick a home. Mac Brown's going to be on the phone, and all these guys are going to be on the phone talking to these kids. This is a big one. They can say, hey, come join him. Be a part of something different. Be different that's what this time of year is the next two weeks. There'll be as many commitments as there is any other time of the year. So North Carolina is in some battles and winning a big out of state one like that was a nice way to start off.
0: Man, absolutely. It is. And in, in particular for North Carolina, because the secondary has not been great. We've been talking a lot. (laughs) Uh, Not only has it not been great, but then the guys who were the the top flight guys last year, Storm Duck, Tony Grimes, are gone through the transfer portal. And so, I mean, you, you've got other guys coming in. You've got Legend Cavazos, who will help, hopefully be healthy this year, some other young talent. But, um, I mean, do, do you project that Ferguson, because of some of those vacations from last year, is somebody that could come in and and pretty quickly find himself on the field? Why not? Um, look, they're
1: not loaded at corner. <laughs> I know, let's Hey, let's just cut to the chase. I saw them play probably a half dozen times in the last two years. I never once said, boy, North Carolina's secondary is loaded. It's not. They need help. And if he wasn't turned on by the opportunity to play early, I've got news for him. He's going to be playing earlier if things are going the way they should because he's got a lot of talent. They've got to get better at corner, man. they got to get better at corner. And this is how you do it. You bring in as many good dudes as possible. You let them go at it. May the cream rise to the top. So, they needed more help. They got some. And I'm guaranteeing you that at some point this week, Mac and his staff are talking to some other corners because it's still a priority.
0: Very much so. And and you mentioned that playing time being probably very attractive. Would you, if you had to wager a guess, Brian, would you imagine that's part of what allowed this flip to happen?
1: Once again, that this is a forest for the trees. It's going to be easier to make it at to the top at in Chapel Hill. LSU's not loaded like they normally are at corner, but they're not exactly diverting from talent there either. So, yeah, it's an easier path, man, and it's a great school. Mac Brown is—he's always been one of the best recruiters in the country. I'm not exactly shocked by it, but again, LSU doesn't lose a lot of corner commits. You know, less like the other schools, Alabama or Georgia or something.
0: Man, that's a big deal. And and having somebody I, I know you said it's like maybe this is simplifying it too much. But like you said, w- with the flip in the hips and gone, like if you it, it, you either have it or you don't. And with somebody like Ferguson, who has that innate capability, and I know, like you said, he's got to put on weight and do other things to compete uh, as he gets into school, which he's got a whole nother year of high school to do. um, are there things, even, even with that innate ability, are there things technique-wise that he still needs to work on?
1: Yeah, he's got to use his hands a little better at the line. He's got the feet to be a bump and run corner. I think some of the time, some of these kids, they just want to run with them. They can just prove they can run with them there. The goal is to get guys off of their track, and that comes with power. At a buck sixty, he's probably not pushing a lot of guys off the line, especially playing in Georgia. So, I mean, that state is loaded with football talent, as you well know. And if he uses his hands a little better to go with those feet, he can be an all ACC guy. There's no question. So when was the last time Carolina could just take the ball away and dominate defensively? That's, you know, that's it's been a minute. You know, like <laughs> this is where it starts. Like I, I tell people this all the time. You can take recruiting rankings any way you want, okay? But if you say, Brian, you can have a five-star offensive guard or a mid-level four-star corner, I'll take the corner every time. Hmm. I say why? Because yeah. offensive guards don't impact the game like corners do.
0: Hmm.
1: It's I'm not trying to pick on guys that play O-line. It's very important. No, 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 no. But corners are rare and they have a bigger impact. It's just ridiculous. Like when I get calls from coaches down here asking about kids, corners always the first question. Always. It's never offensive line, I can guarantee you that. You can develop lineman, corner man, it's about natural ability. There's only so many guys that can play it he's one of them.
0: Okay. I think that's a great last word on Zion Ferguson. We'll see what he brings to Chapel Hill when he comes in 2024. Now, staying on the defensive side of the ball, the linebacking core has actually been an area of strength for the Tar Heels in recent years, but shallow, shallow is that position. Might they have just landed somebody to help out? We'll talk more about that in just a second. All right, we're joined today on Locked on Tar Heels by Brian Smith, our Director of Football Recruiting here at Locked On. It's great to have him with us. We just talked about Zion Ferguson, who Carolina was able to flip from LSU in the class of 24. And now we go to that linebacking court, which returns its nucleus this year with Cedric Gray and Power Eccles. But quite frankly, Brian, there hasn't been much depth behind those guys. And in fact, lost Ra-Ra Dilworth to the transfer portal last year. And so that, that already shallow depth takes another hit. Now, I know it's another year before Ashton Woods comes, but this guy, another kid coming out of the Atlanta area, what, what have you seen about this linebacker going into his senior year that excites you? His
1: ability to get downhill and make tackles in space. He can play from depth go get a guy on a screen, toss sweep. You can take care of inside zone. He was very instinctive. And I was surprised how flexible he was and how well he moved laterally. You know, and I know, Atlanta is loaded. It's, <laughs> it's insane how much talent is there. I think it's as well-rounded of a city in the country for high school football, from quarterback to safety. And there's, there's so many good teams in terms of how they're coached, et cetera. You could tell he'd been coached. He's not going to be a guy that's going to need a whole lot of extra help just to get the basics down. He'll come into UNC and he'll have the fundamentals. And I bet you he plays right away on special teams too. Hmm. This is going to make his transition, though, to first and 10. And a linebacker in today's game is extremely hard because it's more about the shoulder up, you knowing formations and all that. But he struck me as a guy that can figure that out because he took good angles. He didn't overpursue, Just a really smart football player. And he's got speed too. That never yeah.
0: hurts either. It doesn't. And, and to your great point, projects really well from all those intangibles you just mentioned uh, to special teams early on. And that that's a really great point, Brian. Like what? I mean, with all that high praise, are there things you notice about Woods film that you think he needs to continue to uh, work on and grow in during his senior season?
1: The two things that kind of go together. It, one is not going to be surprising. Adding weight. <laughs> if you're going to play major power football, linebacker is brutal. You're taking on guys that weigh over 300 pounds. It's not fun. He's going to need a weight, and uh, after a year in the weight room, he'll look completely different. He'll probably be 225, 230 pretty quick. And I also think he needs to develop one just elite strength. He's really well-rounded, but what can you do to dominate? Nothing. Yeah, like are you going to be a package guy that on dime they don't take you off the field because you're really good in coverage? Is it short? Whatever it is, he's good at everything. I want to see him develop something where he's elite. If he can do that, then he's got a niche. Hell, he could be a starter by his sophomore
0: year. Man, that's, that's wild to think about. So, Brian, I know that this is totally asking you to guess and predict on it, but I, your point is so, so good. <laughs> <laughs> your point it's is so I good do. about that, that whole thing of being, uh, you know, a jack of all trades but a master of none. For what you see from Ashton Woods right now, what do you project as maybe one or two things that could turn into that elite skill that could really set him apart from the pack?
1: Teams that like to run the ball, I was surprised at how well he got to the outside the tackle box when he was playing inside backer and scraped, got over the top and against, again, he's playing Atlanta kids. He's not <laughs> playing against guys that are slow. These are Jack and was able to turn them back inside in the run game. It is one of the oldest and most boring things ever. People hate hearing about it. But if you don't keep everybody inside and they get outside, they score. I had a coach when I was in seventh grade. He said, I don't care if the guy goes 98 yards inside of you. That's fine. But if he goes two yards outside of you, I'm going I'm to take you out of the game. Keep everybody, he keeps everything inside. Let's everybody get to the ball. He, he's very fundamentally sound in the run game. Now I just, again, Can he take on more guys, get the strength and all that power football downhill? That's hard, bro, because it's straight at you football. Yeah, Yeah. that's not made for freshmen in college very much. If he can add another 20 pounds, man, he can be a starter at UNC pretty quick.
0: And I I love that team first principle you're talking about with funneling to the inside, trusting your teammates to do what they do, not have to be the hero. And uh, that man, I, I love it when a young man is able to get Those types of things. Now, Brian, I know I know we just said with Ferguson a second ago that he is Carolina's current highest rated player in the class of 24. And we said that ratings aren't everything. And I want to say that on the flip side of it right now, because right now Woods is a three star kind of middle of the pack recruit. But from conversations you and I have had off air, we've talked about how much you love his film, love what you see from him. Why do you think it is that he isn't being more highly and widely respected from a recruitment and and rating standpoint? I'm lost.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I mean, the film doesn't lie, man. There are certain kids you put on the film, when you're done like getting a a first base analysis of a player, and it's less than 30 seconds, that means he's either A, he's terrible, or he's really good. Hmm. He's really good. Uh, there's some kids that I they tell, hey, you got to watch this guy." And I'm like, "This guy stinks," and this was not one. It was just the opposite. I don't know. Maybe there's something about his attitude or something, but it didn't didn't strike me that way. Again, when you're going to making plays on defense and coverage and making tackles, what's not to like? Especially for a kid in Georgia going against competition.
0: Yes, indeed, and uh, you know, hopefully, it just means Carolina got a diamond in the rough, and other folks missed out on on a little. It Hey, there's a lot of young men out there playing high school football. It's very easy to miss a couple here and there, despite all the great recruiting that is done in the world. Brian, any last thoughts on on Ashton Woods or, or what you expect to see out of him this upcoming season before he heads off to Carolina?
1: The only thing I think is what we just talked about. He's been overlooked at this point. Well, that doesn't mean did we, because signing day I think is the 20th of December or somewhere right around there. What happens if Tennessee wants him or Florida State wants him or somebody else, like who, what picked the school, whatever, you know, Michigan, somebody else that has a bigger football name? Does he really want to go to Carolina or is he picking the school that he thought recruited him the heart? Like what was the deal? I don't know the kid. That's my curiosity because I think he's just going to get better and better. Uh, again, the film doesn't lie, and somebody's probably going to ask their defensive coordinator if they can recruit him. That's that's the question. I think he's got a lot of upside, and he's already good. But his frame's not filled out yet. He's only going to get bigger, faster, stronger. So that's going to be interesting because there's no doubt that he's a really good player already. Maybe somebody else got to come along. Mac Brown may not be done recruiting.
0: Him. Well, in that case, I'm going to hope that he has a terrible senior year and nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's part of the game. You know, we just talked about Carolina flipping an LSU commit. Uh, turnabouts fair play, and so you got to keep. Uh, recruiting and re-recruiting your roster. Even once you get that signed on the bottom line in this day and age of the transfer portal, it is the name of the game now. I am so glad my name is not Mac Brown or any other head coach out there in the country. Brian Smith, great stuff as always, brother. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can folks find your great work?
1: At Scout underscore Florida. YouTube and Twitter in particular, some Instagram as well. Right now is the most active time of the year for recruiting between now and the middle of july the next two weeks will be commitment city i had a phone call from a buddy the other day like i can't keep up and i'm like me too kids picking schools you know that are just random we, we usually know but not always there's there's some surprises north carolina being a very prime example i did not see that one coming so hey did the victor go the spoils
0: and we will take those spoils. Brian Smith, great stuff, brother. Thank you so much. Make sure you get some rest during this crazy fortnight ahead of you. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. That's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Big thanks to Brian Smith for joining us to unpack these two commitments for the Tar Heel football team. Again, coming up on the show tomorrow, you every day as I know you're excited about it. Coach Pat Kilby will be with us tomorrow. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels you can follow me at Isaac Shade. Email the show, lockedontarheels at gmail.com. We got some of those video questions starting to roll in. Remember, 15 seconds, you can attach it to an email, your name, where you're from, and your question. would love to add that into the show. Great, fun way to connect all of us together. Hey, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, smash the like button so we know you were here, and leave some comments on today's show. Hey, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel, right? Yes sir, yes ma'am. Until tomorrow when we talk again, peace.